0: Hello and welcome to The Last Standy, a board game podcast. Hello. Hello and wo- Ah, it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get through this intro someday. Hello and welcome to The Last Standy, a board game podcast coming to you from several thrilling countries across Europe. I am joined here today by Audrey.
1: Hi everyone. Cara.
0: Hello. Alessio. Hello. And I am your host, and so your name here. Today, we have three exciting topics for you, but first, let's, ca- let's catch up with everyone. Um, Audrey, how have you been doing recently?
1: <laughs> Hello, insert your name here, how are
0: you? <laughs> <laughs> Audrey, how have you been doing recently?
1: Oh, I've been doing pretty fine. I had my sister that visited a few weeks ago and uh, I let's say, led her through the grand opening of expert board games. Uh, (laughs) We played uh, together... What did we play together? Wait, we we played a few smaller games, uh, like we played some Calico, uh, and my cat tried to eat some of the tokens, Uh, we played uh, Terraforming Mars, two games, Uh, we played uh, Spirit Island, Uh, And one or two other games that I'm not sure I remember which ones we did. Uh, But that was uh, really nice uh, because yeah, we are part of quite a few uh, French, uh, let's say, Facebook uh, communities. Not exactly together, that was not intended, but we are both members of uh, these communities. And yeah, that was just nice to, uh, let's say, have an extended share of uh the hobby and so she she was really happy and she was the one asking to do another um game of uh terrifying mars so that i was really happy uh of that and uh meanwhile what a few other things happened but that's more on my parents side because they went back home uh, last time with a box of unlock and actually we had the rule book of Romeo and juliet inside don't ask me how it got there (laughs) (laughs) so they shipped it back to me uh and i got the letter like two days ago um so that's not uh, a big deal but that was still funny and they tried playing unlock together uh, just my two parents and also with my sister and they completely messed up everything they were uh, going ahead of the mechanics, uh, having cards that had no idea where they came from, <laughs> etc. <cetera. laughs> that was a bit messy, but um, I will say that sometimes uh, it's likely to happen in some unlock scenarios. Uh, some are, are very confusing, so that's, that's a bit fair. You,
2: you started off light, but you got heavy pretty soon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's I think. Yeah, that's all for me. Um, yeah, that's it. What about you, Alessio? What's up?
2: Oh, how nice to you to of, of you to ask me. Yeah, I'm glad you asked it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, actually, I I am pretty busy at work these days. So, uh. uh I work with programming in a very delicate environment where people go to certification in summer, so summer is a terrible day, it's a terrible time to work for me. Anyway, uh, I check a lot of uh, news these days. I think the Spiel des Jahres nominees just came out actually when we are recording, but probably when the episode goes live they are basically being decided. And there is a lot of uh, fun stuff. Uh, I think it's the first time I see a nominee for the Spiel Yares, which is a hoink game. There's Scout, which is a great hoink game, actually, a climbing car game. I love it, so I'm actually voting for that. <laughs> actually, I, I, I'm campaigning for it. Uh, and that's basically the biggest news. I think that uh, we could say that when the episode goes live the Arcs campaign uh, will be over. ARX is the next game from Leather Games, designed by Cold World, and uh, this one got a few bumps on the road, so this is uh, other news uh, you could check. We will probably talk about this or about uh, fan-mind uh, mi- fan uh, communities and stuff uh, in an upcoming episode, so I'll just leave it like that. I got Crescent Moon, which is a great game, and uh, it's a four to five players game, so a narrow player count, but it's great, it, it reminds me a lot of Chaos in the Old World, so that's a big, big plus for this game. And finally, I also got Cryptid, because, uh, but, well, actually it happened that uh, I like, I happen to like Cryptid, but I never got it. So since uh, there's now Cryptic Urban Legends, which I don't like a lot, unfortunately, uh, a lot of stores got uh, a promotion for Cryptid and I used it to snatch it. I can see that uh, actually it's on discount basically worldwide these days, so probably uh, that's a recommendation if you happen to get it on discount cryptid the base cryptid is a great deduction game and um, i think that's all from me pretty boring so what have you been up to Kara?
3: um well i i'm not sure so i played um, <laughs> a lot of X- x-wing actually and um How's a... was
2: going with the x-wing community
3: yeah <laughs> um which is fun and uh, like on la- two days ago i actually won a game so Woo. that's nice <laughs> congratulations,
2: congratulations. that's Thank an you. important step <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> um yeah um apart from that I played several games um which I can't really remember right now I know ten Garden was one of them um, a game we will likely talk about sometime in this podcast. Um, well, yeah. At least I, I, I think I, I'd like to talk about it at some time. <laughs> and
2: yeah, uh, remember that.
1: I would be very happy to hear you. Talk. Nothing
2: could beat could beat your Stormweavers review anyway. <laughs>
3: oh right i have to i have to 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 replay stormweavers and and give a a second (laughs) um, chance opinion um yeah and i plan on learning on Mars, like tomorrow um i i skimmed the rulebook and oh my god this this might take a while
2: yeah good luck with that (laughs)
1: Is is this your first uh Last Soda yes. game? So I will be very, very, very interested in what uh comes out of uh that game because uh, this is the only Last Soda games that uh, the theme uh talks to me and people were like, Yeah, pick the Garrist and yeah but I, I no and On Mars just keeps uh talking to me and I'm like, Yeah so I will be very interested uh, interested to hear. Yeah, it. it's
3: uh, I mean I. <laughs> I'm not worried that I won't be able to learn the rules, but I'm worried whether I will ever convince people to give it a try with me, because it feels like a lot of rules explanation before we can start and a lot of questions during play, but... uh...
2: That's uh, that's part of the game with Lacerda games, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Get Vignos if you want uh, easy, easy uh, air quotes uh, Lacerda game.
3: Yeah, I, speci- I actually.
1: Yeah, but I don't like
2: wine either. <laughs> I actually no. specifically
3: got on Mars because of all the Lacerda games, it has the highest complexity rating on Board Game Geek, um, <laughs> and I have this little masochistic um, strain in me, but um, <laughs> yeah. So, looking forward to that.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. yeah. Yeah, me too yeah I, I reserve my judgment for when uh, a, a bit more people played.
3: Mm. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, who are we missing? Alexis?
0: Yes, we are we are missing. Enter your name here. Um, <laughs> I've been very busy with work uh, recently and unfortunately unable to to attend the podcast for the last uh, three or four episodes. Uh, but I'm glad to be back. Um, recently, I've been well. Recently, with within this week, I've been playing a lot of Mysterium. with am um, in vacation at the moment, and I've seen uh, um, some. Uh, we, we were seeing some friends, and uh, Mysterium is just such a, a nice and easy game to to pull out and uh, and play for a while. Uh, so it's always fun to to try it a little bit. Um, I played also a lot of the. Uh phone application of um sorry. Uh earring in pretty Alessio? Uh, is that on everybody's <laughs> okay. end? Is I it just Alessio that... that's hear- that is hearing weird stuff from my end?
1: No, it's it's a problem. It looks like uh, some parasites Ah, uh, um... fuck.
0: dust uh... my eyes. I, mean, I don't know. It's fine because my recording is uh is going like on this end and it doesn't seem to be anything weird going on so i'll just i'll just chuck it as um yeah that, that's okay fix, i can fix it in prod uh, in post that's fine it's not bad okay. but
1: it's annoying
0: i unfortunately i won't fix it for your hands but i'll fixing i'll fix it for um listeners uh, everyone's also. end
1: yeah exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay get back to it um Yes, I've played a bit of the Wavelength uh, phone app, uh, which is basically just a phone version of the Wavelength game that I've uh, raved about last year. Uh, And I am happy to report that the phone app works extremely well. Uh, There's a free version that has just, um, I think a dozen or so questions to allow you to to try out if the game works well. And then you can, I think you can pay, uh, I think it's five euros to get the whole packs of the game. Uh, and you can easily, it's basically functions like a Jackbox party pack where you can join a room that you host on your phone. And so you can play with it even the same room, either in the same room or through, uh, discord or something. It works really well. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with it and I would recommend everybody to check it as a good, uh, board game app. Um, yeah, you
2: you know, that could be really interesting because, uh, A part of the PL of Wavelength is actually be on the same wavelength with other people. So playing it online could be really fun. (laughs) I guess interesting, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And uh, finally, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a really good game of uh, Ultraviolet Grassland, a tabletop game (laughs) that we talked about in one of our earlier episodes. Uh, maybe if I'm smart enough during the editing I might add which episode it was otherwise you're welcome (laughs) to just um scour or uh, archive but um yeah it was a it was a very fun first game with three completely uh strange and different characters um and I'm looking forward to play more of it uh I'm should be I should play that uh just uh, this week actually so uh, crossing fingers that everything will go great, and I might uh, report on that next time. Um...
2: Ultraviolet wastelands. Sorry? Did you say ultraviolet wastelands?
0: Gracelands, uh, like a grasslands. Uh,
2: gra- like oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Anyway, I'm getting old because I don't remember that episode. It could be <laughs> an episode
0: where I wasn't in, so could that, be. <laughs> that is possible. That's um, a tabletop game, a very interesting one, uh, inspired by Psychedelic Metal, and um, it has some uh, very Mobius, uh, Dune-y um, Ooh, cool. themes and aesthetics. It looks really fun. Uh, Rule-wise, it's pretty... uh, it's on the lighter side, but it has a lot of um, really interesting uh, inspiration and a lot of uh, stuff to do. And it's sort of... um, mechanically, it's more about the exploration and the discovery of the world than it is about combat specifically. and so the, the rule book, for example, is all about those very different and strange locations all around the world that you can you can explore. As the game is kind of uh, based on those ideas of the um, uh, the Silk Road uh, from the early seventeenth century, uh, the idea that you had just like mm. this faraway destination wow. that you wanted to to go to, uh, towards with uh, riches uh, at the end, but a lot of um, you know a lot of hardship in the in the making and just making the 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 way there uh writing down uh, stuff about the the flora and fauna that you explore along the way uh discovering new uh trade routes, that kind of stuff all of that what was um reward enough before um you know it, it wasn't about it, it's not exactly an rpg about combat or or anything but it's very 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 fun uh but i will yeah. i will report more on that um Next time, once we are uh, playing, like, maybe 30 minutes for me to explain the, uh, it a little bit more in detail. But um, for now, uh, I think yep. that we can start talking about a game that Kara wanted to talk about. Uh, speaking of psychedelic uh, metal, uh, there's nothing more metal than a horse with a horn on its head. Uh, we, would, uh, we are going to talk about Unstable Unicorns. Yeah. Um... For
2: starters. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so, um a uh, 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 well-kept secret about myself I really love unicorns and um so uh, someday I stumbled upon this uh, Kickstarter Unstable Unicorns and I thought oh my god that's a game for me so I, I of course I got it and um it's by uh Ramy Baddy <laughs> also and um, um published by Unstable Games it was their first game in 2017. And um, and I got it and I looked at it and it's just, it's, it's beautiful. You know, it's, uh, Raimi had, has this specific art style uh, which is really cute and, and uh, colorful and um, it's just really funny. And when I got to play it, And the problem is, basically, the the art is the one good thing about it, from my opinion. Oh, that's... uh...
2: Great! This is another Weaver's review! Yeah!
3: (laughs) 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 So, um, quickly about the game. Um, It's a card game. Um, You start um, by... um, Everyone gets, like, one starter. Unicorn. It's a baby unicorn you start with and um, then uh, you get I think like five or so cards no it should be seven and um, then you go around the table everyone takes their turn in, in your turn you draw one card and then either you can play one card or draw and, draw a second card and at the end of your turn you draw up to now discard, down to your hand limit. If you happen to have more than seven cards, you have to discard cards. And that's basically it. There is a lot more that happens because of course all the cards have different abilities and effects that happen at certain times during your turn and um, so these get handled in between. And um, you play until one player has uh, seven unicorns played in their stable. Or six unicorns if you play with seven, uh, with six to eight players. So it's a two to eight player game. And um, so yeah, it's really easy to learn. And um, apart from what I just told you, everything that's important stands on your cards. Um, maybe one small thing: there are instant cards. They have like a red exclamation mark on them. Those can be played at any time. The most prominent one is the nay card, and, um, which basically lets you say, Oh, uh, that card you just played, nay, you have to take it back. And, um, <laughs> no, not take back, uh, discard it. Uh, so, no, I don't like what you just did. And, um, and here we also get to the core problem of this game, which is the same problem we have with uh, Munchkin. Uh, it's really funny. It's funny to look at the cards. Uh, it's funny to read like the, sometimes the little texts that are on them. And um, But you play and at some point you realize someone is pulling ahead and they have a really hard time to actually win because as soon as everyone notices they are pulling ahead, of course they get <laughs> and- hindered. <laughs>
2: yeah Yeah. that's not an away (laughs) leader so
3: i played it with six players and i think after like three hours we stopped playing
0: jesus (laughs) yeah that sounds horrible um yeah and it like it it was fun the first unicorns
3: yeah it was (laughs) fun the first half to three quarter hour and then it kind of started to drag on and um so yeah, that uh, <laughs> And because I I, I, I have these, these feelings about the game, of course when the next Kickstarter came, I got the two other versions of it. <laughs> uh, Unstable Unicorns <laughs> Control and Unstable Unicorns Chaos because I thought I really want to love this game and of course surely they will learn from their mistakes. So I get these these different versions that are compatible to each other and then everything will be great only to realize no it's just more of the same it's basically I have the game three times now with slightly different cards instead um, of
0: having (laughs) one game evolving under three iteration you just got three uh, times a bad game (laughs) yes Uh, but uh, uh, is the art fun the art is great and then then at least you got like a display piece (laughs)
3: Yeah, and um, and now comes the really weird part because Let's go. in this <laughs> Kickstarter for the two additional versions of Unstable Unicorns, they offered another game from them, Llamas Unleashed, um, another card game. Um, I I, <laughs> I would like to you know just shortly how does this game work? It's a card game. You start by, you know, handing out cards and on your turn, you draw one card from the pile. Then either you play a card or draw another card and then you discard down to your hand limit. Notice the similarity.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah that's something that I heard a uh, few times from this company because I think they are, it's, it's the one that also did Exploding Kittens, uh, Here to Slay, I think.
0: <laughs> they, they also made the bear game, uh, Bears and Babies or something like that.
1: Yeah, and, and for here to slay I also heard someone say, oh, it's it's a bit the same as Unstable Unicorn, but the ambient and the uh, art will be a bit different. So that's not a surprise on my side. Yeah,
3: but Lamas Unleashed is a basically bet. the exact same game as Unstable Unicorns. And... Um, at some point, I had friends over, and uh, they were like, "Oh yeah, let's play something." And ooh, what's that? Unstable unicorns. That sounds funny. And I was like, "Ah, you know, if you if you want to play this game, let's play Llamas Unleashed. I haven't played it yet. Um, you know, just you know, something different." And we had yeah, so at least much you might fun. try a new game,
0: uh, even if it's not as good. As is it, the it swap? Was, it was surprisingly good. Is that where the story is going? yeah it's it it was really fun Lamas
3: unleashed was a lot of fun for us and i really tried to figure out why because it is the same game just you know swap out the unicorns and of course the um narwhals because when you talk about unicorns you also talk about narwhals the unicorns of the sea but (laughs) (laughs) um
2: that's a tooth yes (laughs) i know but
3: And in Llamas Unleashed, you have llamas, alpacas and um, goats. and um, But it's a lot more fun simply. I, and I think I, I found the reason why I found it a lot more fun because of the card names. Um, in Unstable Unicorns, um, I mean, there is a lot of joke built in with card names and then looking at the picture, you know, for example, the annoying flying unicorn is this uh, unicorn with wings and that has like symbols in its hand and uh, a horn and a, a you know the, these these horns with a ball on their end which you push and then it must hurt <laughs> and uh, on on its horn and um so yeah it's 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 really it really looks annoying so um but in Lama's Unleashed there is already a joke in the title of the card. For example, you have this this spell card that's called "Download More RAM."
2: Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> which lets you get
3: another RAM card. Um, yeah. Or um, in Anti-unicorns, you have these Nay cards. You have a lot of Nay cards, which, of course, all Nay cards do the same thing in lamas unleashed you have a lot of cards which do exactly that but they all have different artwork and different names one of them for example is alpaca your bags (laughs) you know that
2: that's a got meal raising cookie (laughs) or or
3: the battering ram which of course is a ram stripped (laughs) into like a construction yeah it's there's so much more jokes in it and it's so many times during play we we play the card and everyone was like what is oh my god that's so funny and we all laughed so um yeah that's um so even though i really like unicorns if someone is interested in in one of these games um i personally would recommend get llamas unleashed i found it a lot more fun
2: yeah, if you want an analytical uh, uh, insight about that, there's also the fact that on Llamas uh, Unleashed, actually, cards work only on a, on a goat type, like on la- they work only on llamas or work only on goats mm-hmm. or only on rams. And because of that, the game tends to be less of a slog. Yeah, it has more because, depth to it, yeah. and
3: also it's not like um, this alpaca. Your bag; it only works on alpacas, <laughs> yeah. so you can't cancel everything with it, um, reducing the chance that someone is short shortly before winning but can't do this last step.
2: <laughs> yeah, now I will say something outrageous. So. Bear with me, I I will say this only because there's no fan today. So, (laughs) uh, I am an uh, an old player of Magic the Gathering, meaning that I played actually in uh, 1993, 4, 5, up until uh, 98, so a lot of time ago. And uh, back then, the most horrible thing you could do to a Magic game was bring blue because if you played blue you had only counterspell mana drain, uh, every kind of counterspell to play, which is like an 8th card on this game. Actually, uh, to fix this meta they had a good idea, because making car- if making cards work only on a subset of the cards could really make the game enjoyable at the end, so that's probably a good call. Uh this is regardless of the fact that you might like uh, particle games, you might like Munchkin, uh, you might like runaway leaders. Uh, actually the idea of making the uh the, the counter spell equivalent only work on some condition it's a winning idea.
3: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um I also want to talk shortly about the the company. Um <laughs> in general because um, it, you mentioned it earlier um, with um, Here to Slay it's it's it really feels like they have this one idea on Saber Unicorns and all their other games kind of build on this and put in some variation because I it's like I, I really want to love their games because I really enjoy the artwork um, but I have after Lamas unleashed. I didn't get any other game uh, because when here to slay came on Kickstarter, I was like, "Oh my god, it's so amazing!" And I backed it at first, but then I backed out once I looked into it and noticed, "Okay, how do you win by collecting like seven cards in front of you?" <laughs> I know there is this, there is a different win strategy as well, so there is an a, another option how you can win, and um, but it's like. <laughs> I really felt like it, it's not really a completely different game is it and um but i think they kind of with the recent games um the, the two most recent games are happy little dinosaurs and uh, casting shadows um i actually have a t-shirt with the cover art of happy, happy little dinosaurs and um, <laughs> they really seem different i didn't get them Simply because I don't like their business practices, um, they use Kickstarter for most of their games, and I have never encountered another Kickstarter that um, like like is fueled so much by Fomo. And when you look at their Kickstarter pages, it's really one kickstarter exclusive after another and um you have l- like the, the small card games in the end which when you go all in cost like 200 dollars, and it's uh, uh yeah it's i that was actually the reason why i in the end backed out of here to slay and didn't want to give it a try because i felt like i don't want to support this so <laughs> I mean, it's something everyone has a different view on that. But um, for me, if I will ever give one of their games an, a try, I will buy it in retail. Um,
2: no, that, that's understandable. Uh, also, because uh, by what uh, you are telling, uh, they look like the games look a lot like palette swaps of the original idea.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean as i said the last two they really seem different um so uh yeah and i think actually i have friends who uh own happy little dinosaur sauce so maybe i will get to try it someday <laughs>
2: so uh will art is going to retail I, I think that unstable unicorns was on retail in the end
3: uh, i do believe um uh, i mean they have their own web shop where you can buy their games And, um, I know, uh, Unicorns is in retail here in Germany with like a German version, I think, a Here to Slay I've seen in, in my board game store. Um, so yeah, I don't feel the need to back a Kickstarter from them to get the game. You will get the game after the Kickstarter for like. 25 uh, dollars or so so (laughs) um
2: yeah there's actually a few retail offers for their games so that could be maybe a good compromise if you like the game you get the game at retail and you just skip the kickstarter yeah yeah great that's solid advice actually thank you
3: you're welcome Yeah, I'm done with the Unicorns. <laughs>
0: um, well, uh, Alessio, you wanted to, to talk about a game. Uh, I'm pretty sure that... Is it, is it a dragon or is it a unicorn? I think it's a unicorn, the symbol of Ireland. But I might uh, be wrong. Um, so I, it would be a very insensi- uh, insensitive uh, uh, topic transition. So I'm going to keep that down. Uh, <laughs> either dragon or unicorn, you wanted to talk about the hiking of Ireland.
2: Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, I think that the symbol of Ireland is the shamrock, so the three leaf clover, or the harp, possibly. But anyway, uh, Brian Boru is, uh, is a game by Pierre Sylvester, and I have begun to think that uh, when there's the name of Pierre Sylvester in a game box, that is an implicit assurance of quality. <laughs> yeah, Pierre Sylvester basically is a designer who always manages to make games where every choice has a counterbalance, every choice counts, and you play them to the end. And actually Brian Boru, i King of Ireland, makes no exception to this. So, uh, historically talking, and uh, I'm walking on eggshells here, Brian Boru has been i, I, I King of Ireland, Reuni- reuniting all the Irish clans, fighting back Viking, uh, Viking invaders, extending his own influence through Catholic monasteries and political marriages. Uh, he has become, over the, the centuries, the classic larger-than-life historical figure, uh, who becomes, uh, by his own right, the staff of legend. So, uh, it is important, it is a touchy subject, uh, It is. Uh, it has been suggested for canonization as a saint, uh, I think uh, in Catholic Church, uh, I, I should know, but I don't know. So, uh, uh, this is enough dwelling on history for me, uh, let's just talk about the game, okay? Uh, Brian Boru the board game sets three to five players to emulate the deeds of Brian Boru but by trying to extend their influence and control on a map of Ireland uh, which is uh, conveniently divided in eight regions and each of these regions is divided in multiple cities and each city has a color which is uh, one of the three game's suits which is red, yellow and blue. In the game, what you will be doing is vying for control of cities and the the regions of the cities. You will gain renown by fighting back Vikings, you will occasionally leverage the Viking invasions to strike or damage other players' positions, You will arrange deals with the church and game monasteries which will give you extended control on the cities and the regions they are in. You will arrange marriages which will in turn provide you tactical advantages. Up to arranging a marriage with the Viking princess herself which will turn Vikings from enemies to allies allies for you only. And this is basically the theme of the game. You will do all of this with a simple map where you will place discs to represent your influence, and by using a customized deck of cards to play tarts of a trick-taking game. Now, uh, this is important because this is an area control game with trick-taking as its main mechanism. This makes it very simple and fast, but extremely deep. You will play this game uh, 60 to 90 minutes and uh, This is actually incredibly accurate. I played a five-player game and two of these five players were first-time players and the game lasted about two hours. You can teach it really fast. This is an extremely fast-to-play area control game. So, how do you play it? Uh, This is extremely quick to explain. At the beginning of, of the game uh, all the playing cards are shuffled and divided equally among all players. And then you do a fast draft. How do you do the draft? Uh, you look at the card of on your ends, you keep two, you choose two to keep, then you pass the other cards around, and you go on until one or no cards remain. And that's your deck for the entire game. After that, you decide to have control in one city, in one region, it cannot be the same region for all for players, and then you proceed to play the, uh, the, the end of cards you have in various tricks. Now, trick-taking mechanism is simple, you play a card in a suit, the player leading is forced to, play, uh, to choose a city, a town, he wants uh, on the map, he wants to use it as the contended city for this turn, the active, the, act, the active city for this turn. And then the leading player must play a card in that suit. After that, all the other players can uh, must play a card uh, of any suit of any value they want. And when everyone has played. The, uh, the one with the highest value in the suit of the card who wins the trick-taking round. You do this for all cards in hand, and uh, when, you, when every player is left with one card in hand, that, pla- th- that card is not played, is discarded and another uh, round uh, you go to the upkeep phase so you resolve what you do because basically during trick taking you accumulate resources and progress through uh, tracks in the game uh, this is the playing phase after that there's a upkeep phase when you just resolve all the progress you did to gain victory points advantages uh, controls and stuff like that you this is a turn, you repeat it for three to four turns, depending on the number of players, and then you count victory points. At the end of the game, who has most victory points win. So, uh, this is extremely easy, simple to play, but there's a lot of complexity of death to it, which is beautiful. Uh, basically, uh, the play, like I said, when you do trick-taking, the player with the highest value wins the trick. So uh, the the, tri- the, the f- cool part here is that each par- each card you play has a, a top and a bottom side, okay? And in each uh, side there I- there is one or more actions. Uh, when you win the trick, you always do the top action. When you lose the trick, you always do one of the bottom actions. Uh, What happens is that if you want to seize control of that city, you have to win the trick, because there's never uh, take control of the city as an action available in the bottom part of the card. The top part of the card has always a a way of controlling the city plus an added uh, bonus, This bonus is uh, the more powerful as the card you played as least value, which is tricky but I repeat, the bonus you get is, uh, if you win, is uh, the least powerful when the card is highest. So, what does it mean in playing card uh, uh, terms? Basically, that if you manage to uh, win a trick with a low card you actually accomplished a big feat and for that you are rewarded. If you won with a high card you actually have an expensive action which is basically weak. Is uh, It happens basically the same with uh, bottom cards, the bottom cards are us- usually more utility, so you will often want to uh, lose a trick because you want to play an utility action, you have more choice because you have two or three options uh, to put you in the bottom section of the card, you will never get direct control of, the, of a city by the bottom action, although if you are uh, have high influence with within the church you have uh, some expensive action which allows you to take control of a city with a bottom section, but we will talk about this later. And the bottom cards are basically the same, meaning that uh, in this case it's deposit, so uh, the most powerful the card uh, is, the most powerful the bonus is. Uh, The concept again is that if you manage to lose a trick with a high card, you actually deserve some <laughs> respect because that's hard to do. And this makes all the interest of the game. This the key and all the fun of the trick-taking. You are playing area control on a real map using the most deceitful actions in a trick-taking game. You will try to win tricks against desperate odds with low cards, or you will try to lose on purpose with a high card, or you will try to mislead your opponents about your real intentions to seize the big prize all while planning carefully because, well, uh, your last card in the end will never be played so you cannot afford that the last card is a useful one because that gets discarded. And... Yeah... Yeah, that, that's actually very cool, because uh, if you think about it, uh, the trick-taking mechanism is very easy to read, and you usually end up uh, playing mechanically, because in all trick-taking games, there's a, a move which is always better than other. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I, I'm, I'm having a look at, the, um, at the, the, the look of the game, and it's true that... Um... They are very simple icons on the card, and and it looks very readable in the in the way that it's laid out. Um, but I I had a actually a quick question about the, the game is a uh, the art yeah. seems kind of um to put it into uh into nice words uh poor uh is it is it uh distracting uh, at all for the for the game that the, the game doesn't look very appealing uh in uh, at least at of. Mm-hmm first look uh, of it? Is that something that you've noticed?
2: Uh, okay, uh, this is a good question. Uh, about the distraction, I don't know, because uh, the first time I I actually look at uh, the... I, I used to uh, learn the game first and then teach to people, because that's my role in my game, <laughs> in my gaming group. So uh, I learned the game uh, in advance, and when I learned the game, I was actually overwhelmed by the iconography, but it is true that uh, after I think uh, two times you play the cards, uh, the icons are basically the same and they are used consistently, so uh, I think it could be a bit of a wall to learn the icons the first time, but once uh, you uh, went through a round it comes uh, natural, also because uh, the game is uh, Uh, conveniently divided into parts. You always play all the tricks and with the tricks you accumulate. You accumulate uh, uh, standing with the church, you accumulate uh, progress in the marriage track, uh, you accumulate coins and uh, you fight Vikings which are uh, uh, represented as tokens, so you accumulate tokens and you accumulate everything. So all you have to uh, take into account when you play trick taking is that you want to accumulate the most of what you want to pursue that turn after that you uh, have an upkeep phase where you spend you resolve what you accumulated and this uh, this subdivision could seems uh, could seem just mechanical but actually helps you in not being distracted because uh, you know, uh, I need the three letters to advance on the marriage track as much as I want. That's a, clear, uh, that's a clear objective. So if you are wanting to do that that turn, you will work toward that. And so you, just, you are just caring for uh, accumulating letter icons that turn. Uh, I don't know if, the, if this helps, but uh, I can tell you that the game, the games we play are usually pretty simple once you play the one turn. That's true. You have to play one turn, I think, to to make everything resound uh, correctly. Uh, and this is why uh, why this happens. This is because uh, you have an upkeep phase in the upkeep phase, you do a few tasks which are always the same. You check who is the one who lobbied the most to get a political marriage, that round, and that one gets the marriage, which is a bonus, basically, and it's resolved immediately. Then you Like
1: d- in Obsession! Yeah,
2: like in Obsession. You get... Uh, of course, uh, it works kind of like in Oxession because uh, that mechanism works with this game. And actually, accumulating and then resolving is a bit more interesting on the strategical part because it allows you to focus. Okay, so you can have a long term plan, and I like this aspect. Of course.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the seems, player. Yeah. yeah it it go. seems to be a very uh, a very fun game. Uh, did you mention how many how many players it was at, at once? I think it's up to four, right? It's three. It's three to five players, right? Three to five player. All right. Uh, yeah, that seems to be a pretty good game for a long evening with the with the family. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually,
2: yeah. it is uh, it, uh, it is kind of uh, area control for a family. <laughs> I would call uh, like that. It's not exactly family game because you have to think a bit about it. But uh, uh, there are popular family games with trick taking, so I- if your family plays the crew, you can definitely play Brian Boru successfully.
0: That's pretty great. Uh, do you, uh, how long does a, a game take uh, usually? Um, I uh, I, th- I have not to, been able to, to touch that game specifically, so I'm uh, I have to. Uh, I maybe.
2: think. I think that you can say you can play a tiny player count with uh, a bit less than two hours.
0: All right. Okay. Yeah, that seems to be a, a good uh, good amount of time for um, a proper um, area control game. Um, and uh, I, have you tried to to play those with, uh, well, your kids are probably a bit too young for this, uh, I'm going to assume, but um, <laughs> I, it, it seems to be quite accessible given the, the simplicity of the icons. and uh, the strategy while you know uh, having depth is pretty straightforward um,
2: yeah uh, that's actually that's actually cool because the depth comes from the action of the other players because uh, it's rare that you will play a turn doing exactly what you want, because you will lose a trick when you want to win, you will lose control of a region because of that, because you won't have enough cities, or sa- or you will do everything you want, but there are vi- vikings in this game. Uh, if you don't get enough vikings tokens and you end up having the least amount of viking tokens, the player with the most Vikings token will decide for you one city you will lose to the Vikings. So uh, there is, uh, like I said, uh, uh, this is a thing that Pierre Sylvester does magistrally. Uh, Every action you do can be counterbalanced in some way. Unless you played totally randomly you always have something to do to oppose a apparently losing condition. You can always do something and up until the very end. Uh, I didn't have yet a game with a runaway leader because the last marriage is with the Queen, uh, with the princess of Denmark which will make Vikings allies and that marriage has a superpower which is uh, mm, a genius. Every town conquered by Vikings so far will, beca- will become an allied town for you, in one of two ways, or you can even, if that's not the case for you, you can even discard it for immediate victory points. So uh, you will play this game until the last turn, there's no way you will feel hopeless at any time because there's always a way to play smart and recover. This is very important. There's no runaway leader. This is a strategy. You, uh, the best strategy will win. Uh, the best player will have a way to emerge, but the, the worst player will never feel so hopeless that the game is automatically lost. And that's this is cool. very smart. Yeah, th- you, that's you're... important.
0: Yeah, your games are usually uh, then quite tense uh, all uh, all the way up to the end, right? Yeah,
2: actually, uh, yeah. I I, I don't yeah. say, I don't I don't know if I can say if all my game uh, that all my games were tense because at some point I ensured that the last turn went in a positive way. But it is true that I can uh, when I won I could never be sure of the victory until after the last turn
0: that's pretty that's addition- pretty fun it seems yeah. like a that's like a pretty good game to to try maybe i'll uh, i'll give it a go yeah uh, of course is there uh, anyone else that, that had uh, another question for for Lesio?
3: i mean i'm not really a question more like an impression it's um i mean i i th- when I, I heard of a game and I looked at the box art, first of all, like this this art style does nothing for me, <laughs> and <Yeah>. um, <laughs> it's it, it kind of reminds me of this one Total War uh, video game, um, <laughs> I forgot how it's called, but um, but, also, Warhammer. <laughs> but also uses like a similar art style, and um, yeah, that does nothing for me. And then when I, you know, earlier looked at the game itself and like the components, it's it's pretty bland, isn't it?
2: Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, I have a list of downsides here because not everything is pure gold. So uh, artwork is definitely on top of this list because... Uh, the production value of the entire game is on par with Osprey Games, which means usually pretty good. It's not overproduced, but every Osprey Games has exactly what you want in a nice and cool way. You have wooden pieces, you have good cardboard, the the, the cardstock for the actual playing cards is not the best, but it is pretty much okay, you can play without sleeving if you want, I don't, for example, <gasps> And, uh, but artwork is actually a oddly debated topic. Uh, the artwork is by Deirdre de Barra, which is an, uh, an Irish artist who happened to actually have drawn a comic book about Brian Boru before the game was published, so she was an obvious choice. However, she has a peculiar trait, a line work on the cards, and she chose to use a colored pencil style for the main illustrations and this kind of style is clashing a bit with the rest of the artwork, because the iconography and actual decoration of the cards, the the Celtic motifs on the cards and the rest, and the fact that it uses silver trimming uh, around the game, it's a bit clashing with with the actual artwork of the cards, and that makes it not bad or inappropriate, but a bit dissonating. So, uh, actually, I suggest everyone to have a a look at it if artwork and presentation is a deal breaker for your games. So, this is actually the the, the thing I heard the most, uh, and the the most common complaint about about, uh, my friends when we at the game night. So, this is important to know. There are, uh, I think, three other points which should be considered, which could be considered downsides, which are, first, this is a trick-taking, exceptionally well done and expanded with a board, which is uh, uh, mind-blowing, this is beautiful, I will talk about it a bit later, but it's still trick-taking. This means that uh, if you don't want to read game state correctly or try to interpret your opponent's intentions, you shouldn't play this game because it has the mechanics of trick-taking. So if trick-taking isn't for you, that's not a lot you can do because it's the main mechanic Without resources are assigned and the resource assignment is important in this game. One. The second thing is the table state can be read easily. This is an area control game and it's very interesting, but it's not the best area control game because of this. So, if you are looking for an area control game, there are better options. Ank Gods of Egypt, for example, is the best option I can currently recommend on this genre. So. If you are going just for, oh, now I want the best area control I, I can find, this is not the best, this is a very good one, this is a fast one, this is a one a game which uses trick-taking uh, on a port which is pretty much unheard of. off, but this is not the best for area majority. If you want the best area majority, go elsewhere. Finally, this is endemic actually to the game, so this is probably more important than the other two, is that you can be outdrafted, uh, since this is very rare, but it happened that uh, if you draft with one and only one specific strategy in mind, and you end up playing with a deck you manage to draft that way, you could be shut down pretty soon because the game needs a bit of adaptation. I have to say that the drafting mechanic of taking two and passing over is pretty good in avoiding this, but there there are uh, actions like the church actions which allow you to seize control of uh, uh, cities when you are not winning the trick, which If every other player except one find to discard them during draft, there there will be one player with all the charge actions and that player will probably win the game because you have been outdrafted. Again, it depends a bit on how smart you and the other players are, but you can be outdrafted, which is pretty pretty uh, worrisome if it happens. That said, the game is beautiful, it's my recommendation because I also uh, I always had a lot of fun with it. It's a last year game, but uh, we still play it regularly even if we have Ank God of Egypt, also because Hank it's a bit more difficult to, to bring to the table with the extended family. So, it's a recommendation. About this, I have to note that uh, trick-taking with a board is uh, a, a, a thing so novel that uh, this is what uh, Call World is trying to do now with Ark's game and uh, just by judging from the mechanical standpoint and from the fun of a game I can say that Brian Boru is more fun than Arx, and Colworl is a is a very popular designer. So we'll uh, have
0: to we'll have to look at what uh, what he does next uh, in his game because yes, that sounds that does sounds very interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now Arx has a lot. There's a lot more going for it, for example, there's a campaign mod, the game is still being developed, so it will end up being an exceptionally good game, probably, and we'll cover it when it's time. But I have to say, Brian Boru is very successful in what it does.
0: On that note, it's probably a good idea to move on to a more fantastical topic. Uh, Audrey, you've played Iron Trespass Legacy, right? No!
1: No? Oh!
0: Oh! uh, Iron Hands, my bad.
1: Wrong game, wrong game, yes. (laughs) Yes, it's Aeon's End Legacy that I wanted to talk about. Uh... Yes, because I mentioned that a few months ago that I was playing it and then that I was... uh than that I had finishing it, so yeah, now is the time to talk about it, Eon Zen Legacy. So I'm not going to uh, re-explain exactly how Eon Zen play, because we went over this in episode 28, so if you haven't heard episode 28 and want to know more about Eon Zen, go ahead and grab episode 28.
2: You beat me to the research.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course I was ready. Um... So yeah, Iron uh, Zen Legacy. It's a bigger box. Uh, it's like between one and a half and two uh, regular Iron Zen boxes, and it contains all the campaign. Um, but. Is played. Uh, I heard since then that there is the second Aeon Zen Legacy that is being delivered currently, and there is the Kickstarter for um, some other Aeon Zen thing uh, running uh, running right now. It's a bit like the Unstable games. They keep coming, they keep being very close to the same, but at least there is no pretense to disguise it under a change of <laughs> design. You know that, yeah, it's an Aeon Zen, it's a different nemesis, it's a different mage, it's uh, different spells, etc., etc. But you know it, you are warned. <laughs> so, Eons Legacy. Eons uh, and Legacy is a game with uh, several chapters, like most legacy games. It's a bit like uh, the Pandemic uh, Legacy. I talked uh, about the uh, season zero uh, a few uh, quite early in the podcast history, um, where you have so chapters, and you can play the chapter twice uh, if you failed it, and you get a bonus uh, kind of for the second time. Um, the main things uh, with legacy games in general and that Aeon's End Legacy uh, has is that rules will be added progressively. So if you are already an Aeon's End uh, player, you will start with less rules than you are used to. Like uh, at the instance, there is no rule for when a player dies because you can't, well, dies, uh, loses all the uh, health points during a chapter because. You can't lose a player for the first chapter, or you'd have to make it on purpose and then you'd find yourself in a, let's say, rules problem. So I wouldn't advise to do it anyway. Um, And so you will have these uh, stickers that you will add to the rule book uh, progressively. as you will customize your mage, because when you start the first chapter, you get a mage, or so you have four uh, mage uh, Um the blue, the yellow, the green and the red one, and you have two sides, the guy side and the gal side, so uh, it's up to you to decide if you want to play a girl or a boy, or more ro- woman or man.
0: That's always cool to have uh, different options for, for each character, I think that's a... Uh... I'm and I'm always yeah, it... I'm always happy whenever a game uses double-sided uh, content.
1: Yeah, it's very simple. At, at At the very start, you just have to write the name of your mage, and you just don't have anything else on uh, the, the board. But then, at some point, you will customize their breaches, uh, You will customize their spell. They will get a weapon. They will get a second weapon. Uh, well, it, it's equipment more than weapon. Uh, you will you will uh, customize just. Everything on the mage uh, across the different chapters, so that's super cool uh, you might find, however, that uh, some of the options could seem cool, but when trying them don't really work. Uh, we had that kind of issue at some point, and we decided oh let's just grab more stickers anyway, we are playing just two out of four mages, so there are some options that we are not using, so let's uh. Kind of reset our mages and change them, and uh, it's helped us uh, a lot and us to get a feel and everything. Um, same way for the starting gear, uh, each character has a card. Uh, again, it's double-sided with uh, the guy on one side and the girl on the other side, and you can uh, customize this starting card. It can be a spell, it can be a gem, it can be uh, it can become at some point with a second feature a spell that still give you mana like a gem. Uh, You can definitely customize that as well. So, you really have lots of customization, and one thing that has uh, to be noted is that the mages that you end up at the end of the Ernzen Legacy campaign are generally slightly more powerful than the ones that you can get in a regular Ernzen box, which uh, can lead to some. I will not say exactly imbalance because uh, you can still play with them; uh, they are not completely overpowered. But let's say it can let give you a little booster to tackle uh, the more difficult nemesis, which in a game where the nemesis are in a difficulty scale ranged from zero or more one to ten, can be handy at some points. So yeah. Why not have uh, more powerful mages, and that you know how to use, how to play, because you've uh, used them over all the chapters and making them more complex uh, progressively? I think that's a very good choice, and I don't think that's taking away anything from the rest of the game. Then uh, you have regular stuff as in any Eon's End uh, game, which is more spells, uh, lots of different spells, different nemesis, which are all uh, tied to the story, so they all, in some way or some other way, have an impact on the story. That you, you play during the legacy campaign. Uh, like some can, uh, let's say, uh, corrupt some of your cards for later. Uh, some are just really, really, really related to the story so much that they are more of an intro to the game, uh, etc. And they will have, uh, all have something again personal, something that makes them unique, like in every single Aeon Zen uh, game, anyway. As well there is a story, Um, the story is not in a booklet Uh, compared to many legacy games, it's a deck of cards Uh, and when you have finished a chapter you have to read the card number uh, A25 Uh, and if you have failed the chapter you will have to also read the following card and if you haven't failed uh, the chapter you just skip one card so there is not really a big, let's say, law Impact on failing a chapter—it's uh, really just yeah. Do you read with this card or not? Does a mage, um, a high mage, uh, give you more pointers, or do they scold you, or do they just yeah? Okay. <laughs> so the, the story is not really the reason to to play the game. It's really mostly yeah, leveling up your mage, facing off new nemesis, uh, which. You know, way, the facing of the Nemesis is still brought by any uh, regular Eons and uh, Box, so that's, that's not the main interest. Uh, in my opinion, yeah, the customizing is really the, the biggest interest. As well, uh, as in any Eons and game, you still get new cards, so new relics, new gems, new spells, and they, again, all uh, are new, different from each other. Uh, generally, um, they... Quite a few of them use uh, a certain type of token, which is introduced by the legacy game. There are tokens like Radiant token or something like that. Uh, I'm browsing my rulebook to find their names. Uh, Pulsation in French. And these tokens are used by some other cards, like some um, relics will make you gain some, and some spells will say, Oh, you can spend uh, some extra uh, pulsation tokens when you play this uh, spell to deal extra damage or to recover a card or whatever. So, uh, I think that in each core box of ENZ, you can find some kind of mechanic like this one, which is a bit unique to the box, and uh, we've Half of the spell, relics, and gems cards which make some combo together, but it, it, it's good if you play these together. But generally, some uh, can be also independent, like one card which makes you uh, gain some tokens but can also make you spend. So, you can't always, uh, let's say, uh, match all the cards together, but you can match um, more than half of the cards together with another version of the game and you won't face any issues. Uh, When you have finished uh, the campaign you have a small booklet to open which says do not open before the end of the campaign and just basically it tells you how to reuse uh, all the content, like what you you do with the mages, how you do with the turn order uh, card deck, uh, how you do with player cards, uh, everything, how you how you do with the nemesis, etc, etc. So you can definitely uh, combine just everything. And I think that's the beauty of the game. You can just really pick uh, anything. You can put everything together in a box and just be done. Hopefully, you take out the uh, thermoformed insert because that one's losing so much space <laughs> and yeah.
0: That's always good with a, a legacy game when you can just repackage it and and replay it from the well without having to destroy cards or to to you know lose the, the original the game that it's still a functional game at the end.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. And I, yeah. I, since that was the the logic of even End from the start, uh, it's not a surprise that it goes on here. Yeah, definitely. In my opinion.
0: Um, and I think that the end, and the the base game suits itself pretty well for legacy, um, for legacy one, uh, because it's already like a fight against different nemesis, which with different, um, uh, different characters that all have. I think that in the base game they are the, they are the backstory from the start, or maybe I misremember. Um, but, but it's think... like
1: one page which says, "Oh, revolt! This was city, Blah blah yeah, the yeah, nemesis, it's blah." it's still blah, rift,
0: so. it's still um it's it still was a small like story com, uh, content that um that feels right to be uh, to be expanded uh speaking of uh how did you did you find the the story like the the actual um storytelling aspect of the legacy of the legacy game
1: honestly i uh i think i said that uh i didn't really care because yeah it was the cards and if you miss the scenario you have one extra card to read or one one less card to read uh it wasn't really impactful to be honest uh so yeah that was not really a big part of the game for me um yeah it was more customizing the mage and another thing is that there is a mechanic in aeon's end legacy that Cannot be in the other end, It's that some cards have an evolution mechanic, and that was great. Um, some cards, when you uh, play them, uh, you put a sticker on them at some there is a spot to say uh, with, with the shape of a s- specific type of sticker, and when you uh, activate the card, you put the sticker on it. Well, when you draw the card, not when you activate it. You put the sticker on it and once all the sticker spots have been filled, the card becomes uh the card have, has to evolve. And then you have the pocket of evolution cards, you um pick the one which is called because it's like uh, when this card evolves please uh, go and pick uh, evoluted card number uh, 57 let's say. and so you go you pick that card and it's an evolved version like you get um, uh, like the, the larvae and then you get the, the insects they are all thematically tied they all have the same uh, let's say concept and um they they get stronger actually. So uh, there is that little impact which says that if you have trouble fighting a nemesis or if you have trouble at some point in the story because you picked uh, a combo for your mage which doesn't really work or stuff like that, you're going to probably have troubles fighting um, the the nemesis because the nemesis cards will get harder and harder so there is that kind of uh, a, a time run Uh, Kind of a bit. Uh, And I think that's really interesting because you you know that oh, oh, I still have this card which is somewhere in the deck and that one got evolved and oh...
2: (laughs) So, uh, I have just one question because I like Eon's End and it was already uh, pretty customizable. Basically, Mm -hmm. this one is... uh, Eon Sand with a story progression, customizable equip, equipment from the start with a progression of the characters and evolving cards which look very cool, right?
1: Not not all the cards do evolve. It's ah, no, probably no, no. one card every three or four cards.
2: Okay, but uh, this is it. So it's basically uh, a pumped up, evolving version of, a, of the basic uh, concept of Eon Sand, right?
1: I would say evolved and at the same time simpler because the first two or three chapters have so many rules less that you could introduce new players. I think that it would be that it's a great point. Like if you have an, if you are an experienced player and then you love the game and you want to show it to your friends, to your family and you make them play this one and you show them. and ah. Yeah,
2: that, that, that's actually that's actually what I was thinking. Do you think that this is uh, to be recommended over Aeon's sand? Uh, <laughs> One million dollar uh, uh, question. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, to, to be honest, I think that it's better to know regular Aeon's end first.
2: Okay, so Not... get, get both.
1: Yeah, but it's more due to the fact that the choices to customize your mage, uh, some combos don't work. And if you know a bit more of the game, you will be able to do something that will not uh, will handicap make more sense. you at some yeah. point, that will make more sense. So yeah, I think that having one play, you need to have at least one player that knows the game, in, in, my, in my opinion.
2: Okay, that, that's, uh, that makes sense
1: also one small note uh as we talked about the graphics uh let's say about with brian boru uh and then legacy is still uh, quite a uh, simple art style as all the eonzen that's the same that's not changing and even in the running kickstarter that i checked it's still the same so that's um, yeah but you know generally you know it when you know Zen, so that's And it's worn on the box, I would say. (laughs) Um, So that's not a problem. However, what was really a problem and that I encountered uh, was quality control uh, with the French version. I don't know uh, if that problem uh, uh, arose uh, in the English versions or not, but I had some uh, stickers, quality control, where the stickers didn't, um, the windows, I couldn't open them properly from the, the, I don't know how it's called but the the sticker book uh, because it's all uh, stuck inside at the beginning and you have to open it and it was a bit annoying and there were not all the letters written properly around the stickers so you opened it and it said uh, open window 8 and in window 8 you have three or four sticker planes and it says oh put uh, sticker U in the U letter of the rule book and you're like uh, I don't know where it's exactly but with the shape of the sticker and the size and uh, when, you know the <laughs> Zen, when you know the rules of Aeon's when you know that ah yeah that's where a player death goes so I can put it in here but that was a Bit of a problem. Uh, I think it was just one sticker sheet that had this issue, however, but I reported it to uh, Madago, which is a French uh, editor, and I said, oh, "By the way, there's this issue," and they told me, "Oh, thank you very much for saying that and for being nice while saying that." <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> That's okay. yeah but i i'm that that was a a small note uh to be honest but still i think that uh, yeah it's good to have it in mind uh when buying a french version
2: yeah it it, it has been translated in a lot of languages anyway so i think yeah
1: Legacy was the last French that was uh, translated in last autumn. Uh, I'm not sure any wave has been translated since then, but I have to uh, look at that. And now that I have a new job, I have a few purchase uh, of Eons and Plan and also Spirit Island and Expansion. But that's another topic. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I want at some point to complete my Eons and Expansion and I will probably look if there is a an insert that fits the Eonzen legacy box because that's the bigger Eonzen box that I have and that would be more convenient to store everything in the big box more than uh, in the small core box. Well, okay. smaller relatively.
2: Okay, so I see that the box goes for uh... 80 euros, basically, about... Yeah, 80 a- a- a-
1: around 80.
2: So it's pretty normal for the prices after Pandemic. So it's a normal big box game.
1: Yeah, and and I would say that compared to Pandemic Season Zero, which was close to the same price, you get more value out of and mm-hmm. and Legacy due to all the cards, all the mages, all the nemesis, except maybe the very first one uh, being replayable. And as well, all these nemesis have... As in the core game, if you want more difficulty, do these rules. Uh, So, yeah, you definitely have more mileage than with a... um, uh, I want to say Zombicide, but I have no idea why. Pandemic (laughs) Legacy.
2: (laughs) Okay. Uh, There's also a Reset Pack, I see. So that's good. Yep. Because you cannot reset uh, Pandemic Legacy. Yep. Yep.
1: But, but but also if you don't really uh, if you just want to uh, make more mage combos and just have mm-hmm. more mages that can be an option
2: that's great and one last question because I'm genuinely curious about this uh, one thing I love of pandemic legacy games and I loved in clank legacy uh, was that uh, was the fact that uh, in the middle of a combat, something triggered and uh, the rules changed uh, all of a sudden does this happen in a eons and legacy or is uh, more linear
1: um no the the rules uh the evolution of the rules happen between uh chapters however uh, cards evolving uh happens uh during the fights so you can say oh you're pulling this one but yeah in instead you have uh, this alternative. So it's not exactly rules that change, but some, uh, let's say, some components do change.
2: Yeah, okay, that means just that you're focused on the game you're playing. Okay. Yes. (laughs) That's it for me.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. (laughs) I mean, yeah, Iron Zen is like my favorite game and I was very, 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 I could have many more very but I'm going to stay there. Uh, happy to show it to my sister and to have a two-player uh a few weeks ago, um, yeah. And I, I, I just love it. Anytime. <laughs> Yeah, are there any more questions from Alexis and Kira? Maybe.
0: Um, not really. I've I've really enjoyed Aeons uh, and, and uh, the base game, so uh, I wasn't planning to buy it uh, specifically because I was one. I, I wanted to to try to get Legacy instead because I thought it might be a more interesting one to have at the table. But um, I I definitely uh just feel like I I need to grab it more now.
1: yeah it's a bit of different experience so depending on what you want you can pick one or the other however I will say that even after the campaign uh, in legacy you have more nemesis uh, than in a regular core box where you have I think four maybe Uh, in the legacy it's uh, a bit more I won't say the exact number because it's a spoiler territory Uh, but yeah you do have a bit more uh, nemesis in the legacy box so if you are considering let's a longer playtime, let's say, for the price, it's even to pick one or the other.
0: And that means that we have uh, gone over all of the topics today. Uh, thank you for listening to The Last Andy. You can catch us over at uh, patreon.com slash or follow us at The Last Andy on Twitter or subscribe to your preferred podcast app. So it's a farewell from Audrey. Bye bye. Alessio. Bye-bye! Kara?
3: Auf Wiederhören!
0: Myself? uh, Goodbye! And remember that the second E in standee is for hemorrhoids.